Get motivated, get educated, get growing your property empire with the How To Property Podcast with your host, Ryan Luke. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast and today I am really excited to have Tracy Northcott with me. She is Australian but she currently lives in Tokyo and she is currently recording this podcast from her store covered for her Airbnb unit. So um, it's, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, for those that are watching live online, you'll be able to see the store covered, but uh, usually in the office. But yeah, Tracy, thank you very much for uh, coming on board. And, you know, I'm absolutely delighted to hear your journey and I'm sure the listeners are as well. Thanks for having me, Ryan. I really appreciate it. So a bit of background, Tracy and I, were we met on Clubhouse. It seems to be how you meet people these days rather than uh, Facebook. And, uh, you know, we've, we've got a, a group on Instagram going behind the scenes of all the Airbnb experts that spoke in the 24-hour marathon. And I'd say we've all struck up quite a relationship and, um, and everyone seems to want to just kind of connect and keep the flow going. I think everyone's got a bit of a FOMO of the whole event. They don't want to miss any more and, and they want to do more and more together. Yeah, it's it's been quite, I mean, it's been a lot of fun, but it's also been really rewarding because I've been able, you know, I'm in Japan and I've been able to connect with really like-minded and really smart people from all over the world. And I think, you know, over the last year, we've just been so looking inward and, and I think Clubhouse has come around at the right time. We're just really wanting to, to you know, have smart conversations and interesting conversations with people and and it's it's allowing that. So that's what's um that's what's been so nice about it. And I've just been yeah. able to connect with a whole bunch of other really clever people in the in the Airbnb space and, and um it's been really fulfilling. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, I, I um I totally agree. I've made so many connections and um obviously uh, as we record this tonight, we're going again for another twenty four hour marathon, which is a bit more business focused rather than Airbnb focused, but same sort of thing. And um, the connections that we'll get from that will no doubt be immense as well. So, so let's. Um, why don't we wind the clock back? How did you get started with Airbnb? Well, it was it's a it was a good decade ago now. Um, I you know I've been living in Tokyo for twenty years, and so I'm a migrant basically. And you know we get a lot of family and friends who come visit, and um, and you know when I had a baby as well, you know, my, my family wanted to come visit and, you know, Tokyo houses are really small. So, uh, I couldn't really put them up on the living room floor or on a futon anymore. So, uh, Airbnb was just sort of kicking off and I thought, well, if I can rent a place near, near where I live, I can put mum and dad or the in-laws or whoever and have them close by but just not in my house um so it'll be a good sort of uh, um a good separation there and if i can rent it for half the time it'll cover my costs because that was my my initial modeling i was you know working on a back of an envelope and and figuring out how much i'd need to get it started and how much i'd need to sort of sustain it and i thought well if i get you know 50 percent, i'm i'm good i'm golden and it just took off. It just went bonkers. Uh, it was a real sweet spot, um, perfect storm, when tourism in Japan was just going berserk. And uh, it's part and parcel for having more availability for families. And, and it just made 
travel into Japan a lot more attractive and appealing for people. The government had dropped some of the visa restrictions, so it was a lot more easy to enter and to, to travel, and they were doing a whole bunch of um, promotion work outside of outside the rest of the world, and it was really on the radar of a lot of travellers, and, um, and it just snowballed from there. So it's like, well, I'm doing something right. Let's rinse and repeat. So rinse and repeat I did um, for the next three years, three to five years, and ended up with a seven-figure business, which was which took me by surprise when I looked at the figures and went, "We've made how much?" You got to pinch yourself at times, haven't you? You got to like yeah, really just I, take a look back. I was working in the business, and then I sort of had to stop and like put on my put on my CEO hat, and we just went, "Oh my goodness!" Like you know, because I was so busy and enjoying the ride that it um, uh, the money was just that the cash was just flowing, and it was. Um, and uh, I was just so busy that I didn't really stop and have a look at the overall picture and just went, oh, geez. Well <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's everyone that I speak to who has a, a successful Airbnb business seems to have almost got into it by accident by solving a problem of their own. So I was pretty similar. I, I couldn't get a flat rented. I just took a chance on it, put some furniture in and, I had like three and a half thousand pounds worth of bookings in five days. And I was like, you know, blown away nice. by it. And, uh, and then as you do, you like just rinse and repeat. Okay. I'll try it again. It worked. Try it again. It worked. And, and then it's like, it's like a weird addiction, isn't it? You're kind of hooked on it and you're like, Oh, I want more of this. And, and as you say, it quickly snowballs as well. So, yeah. So what does your portfolio look like in terms of property types and lo- locations? Well, it, it, it has matured a lot. I mean, as Airbnb has changed and the, the market's matured and, and the types of people that are traveling has, has changed, the people are, that are using the platform. So at, in the early days, it was very much the early adopters. There was a lot of, you know, a lot of Americans that were coming in. And so I was really set up for that. But then since then, I was really able to hone my brand and figure out what was the most profitable, who was my ideal guest, where was I making the most money, and and looking at my branding. And that that was when we when we thought, well, scaling for us, you know, really wasn't going to make as much, you know, wasn't going to keep adding to the adding to the profit. So we we looked at actually contracting a little bit and um, and working on margins. So, you know, looking at, you know, raising our nightly rate, um, making sure that we were attracting a bigger, bigger size group and, and uh, looking at the cost, you know, the, the ROI basically. Yeah. So we were maximising ROI rather than adding unit upon unit upon unit upon unit. Um, so, yeah, we went to bigger places, fewer places, but then we really maximised the guest experience and really maximised the, the profit that we were able to make. Um, so yeah, my, my business now pre 2020, um, we were really geared up towards the Olympics. So I had a lot of inventory. I had a lot of also temporary inventory. So inventory that I was only going to keep for the Olympics. Um, and, uh, when 20, we were fully booked and it was just crushing when, when everything went crash. So we had to, you know, put on a you know, put on our grown-up pants on and and figure out what was going to be profitable and what was going to survive. And so I let go of quite a few last year um, and have really just kept the ones, again, that are are maximising the ROI and and I'll be looking to ramp up again soon. So, And is the Olympics, is that just not coming back or is it being postponed or...? 
It was postponed. Um, it they've they've said it's going to go ahead. They haven't confirmed where the spectators are going to be on. So for the athletes, at least, there they did a trial run of a gymnastics tournament at the end of last year, um, and it was international. So there was a whole bunch of um, you know a, a international athletes that came in from China and Korea, and and uh, they wanted to do a, like a pilot program on just getting physically moving people in a bubble yeah, and then keeping them in a bubble while they were here and testing them every day and, and having spectators that were distanced. So that worked well. No one got sick. No one got, there was no infections. So um, they've then said that they're going to do the, it's going to go ahead, but whether it's, got, whether it's got, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what's the current state of play for you guys over there? I know we're in lockdown at the minute. We are, we're in a state of emergency and they're just going to extend the state of emergency for another month. Um, but, you know, my kids at school, um, uh, everyone's out and about, but masked and um, restaurants are closed, have to close at six or eight o'clock. Okay. So, um, but, you know, I'm next to a train line here and the trains, you know, they're about half full. People have, people, people behave themselves here. Uh, they, you know, when there's a rule, they'll stick to it. Mm. Yeah. It do- doesn't happen over here. No. People and not in Australia, not Australia either. That's why Australia has been so strict. So. Yeah. I think Australia are probably doing it, doing it right in a way where we're full lockdown, like restaurants are closed, bars are closed. They've been closed for quite some time, you know, and yeah. hopefully we'll come to the end. We've got, you know, they are pumping through the vaccines at the minute. They're getting them rolled out. There's quite a, quite a decent, um, operation going on there so um so hopefully we're, we're not a million miles away from the end of it all and, and we can then start uh, celebrating so so with your portfolio do you um is it sort of owned rented and managed a, a mix of the lot yeah i do I, i'll do a do a mix of of it all um because i'm really looking at um you know i look at the the my portfolio as a brand so i look for properties that fit within that brand and just whatever however i can get those properties so um, uh, I rent corporate leasing. So I have a com- I have a couple of companies here. I use those companies to to rent. Um, uh, I use um, I co-host. So there's you know I've had some guests in the past that have stayed with us a number of times, and then I've come to me and said, Trace, we've spent a bunch of money with you over the years. Um, how about we you know because we keep coming back every year for for their business reasons, like how about we buy a house and you manage it for us? I'm like, yep, cool, no problem. So I've had, had a couple of those and I encourage that. Um, and also I've bought. So I built a house, the house that I'm living in here with my storeroom. Um, we have a, we actually have a, an attached apartment that um, that we built. Speci- we specifically built this house with the profits from our short-term rental business thank you very much um and you know we built it specifically with uh with a with an asset included yeah so it's, yeah. A, com- it's a combination of all of it yeah and, and the type of guests that you tend to attract is it people traveling for holiday or is it you know obviously we have the contractor market over here which is quite strong obviously you mentioned there before business trips so do you have, mm-hmm. do you have a specific demographic that you go for or yeah my 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 brand is really like my company is called tokyo family stays uh dot com slight plug um 
<laughs> so yeah, Tokyo Family State. So the who I'm attracting and who I'm serving really is just built right into it. So um, I look after people that are relocating. So they need a place to land um, before they go off into their to their longer term to their longer term rental. Inbound tourists, of course. Um, and at the last year when everything happened, I started looking after Japanese families who got stuck here. So, um, yeah, my demographic really is fam- extended families, families that need um, need more space than your average Japanese hotel because yeah. um, Japanese hotels here, uh, so business hotels are tiny. Like, you know, you can reach out and touch the walls or with each hand. Um, so that that's uh, – and there's no family rooms. If you go to a hotel here, there's no – unless you're in a – you know, a massive five-star, very expensive hotel room suite, you can't get a room that fits a, fa- a standard family, whatever that, you know, I don't, I want to be inclusive in that. So, but, you know, a couple of adults and a couple of kids, you will not fit in a, in a standard Japanese hotel. So I'm really looking after that segment um, and longer stays. So, uh, you know, a week to 10 days is, is really my sweet spot. And uh, at the moment, it's obviously quarantine two weeks. So, it's, and um, you know, but I have people stay with me for a month, two months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, my um, so my model in the UK is very much contractors coming week to week, and you know they might stay over the, a period of a few months, but they tend to leave on a Friday, come back on a Monday, Sunday. Um, obviously, you can drive pretty much most locations in the UK within a day, so it's mm-hmm. um, it's quite accessible. My model in Dubai is probably very similar to Japan, so. It's going to be, you know, your people that are landing in the country maybe to move there, but obviously they haven't got their visas sorted, so they can't rent the property yet, so they need a bit of short-term accommodation. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to have, as you say, hotels over there. Whilst they don't have the spatial issues that you're talking about, they have the cost issues. It's very expensive to rent a hotel room in Dubai, especially for a family. So uh, offering that sort of, you know, 150 to 250 a night as opposed to a hotel room, which is, you know, 350 per room per night. Mm-hmm. And then you get your kitchen and everything like that as well. And then obviously there is business travel as well, which will be dipping in and dipping out and don't want to stay in the fancy hotels. So, um, so yeah, it's quite interesting that how, how the market does differ slightly from the UK, but is, is quite aligned with Dubai being a transient country and I would imagine mm-hmm. Tokyo is very similar you know tra- transient quite transient and and you know and, and I've um I've developed relationships with the uh the relocation companies so corporate relocations and also I've developed you know relationships with um um with uh, travel agencies um as well as obviously the inbound tourist market to, for direct bookings so uh, rather than just relying on the OTAs totally. yeah yeah yeah, which is fun. I mean, we I've got a very religious and robust system around what my guest handlers have to do to drive direct bookings every day because, you know, the the increase in, you know, we're talking about ROI before. If you can, you know, bump that to 60, 65% plus per month of direct mm-hmm. bookings, you know, you don't you don't necessarily need to be selling any more nights. You just need to, you know, do that and, and your ROI jumps 20%, you know. It's, mm-hmm. like, it, it's crazy yep. money. Um, just by being a bit more efficient with your business operations. Mm-hmm. So, um, so what's the um, what's the future outlook? What, what's what's the plans? Is it just kind of continue doing what you're doing, keep keep acquiring in the way you've been acquiring, and just keep plugging away? Or is there any? Yeah, I'm looking at more co-hosting. Um, you know, I'm wanting to work with um, it, you know, property investors. Um, so people that 
you know, who uh, who travel in and out. And so um, when they when they come to town, they come and stay in their own place. When they're not here, I'll look after it for them. So um, I'm developing a lot more of those relationships with those owners. Um, and uh, because, you know, the, uh, I'll take care of it for them. I'll do all the A bit like the model yeah. you started with or the, yeah, the purpose you started with, which was kind of, you know, serves a purpose whilst you've got you whilst you need it but when you don't need it obviously get it rented out that's right yeah. and um and and what i also do is is you know I, i've got the portfolio i've got the suite of properties and so i'm able to you know help people on that when they return again and again but also i i have a relationships with local vendors um i'm really passionate about working with other small businesses in your area and having a win-win situation so um uh, when inbound tourism comes it back in, obviously I've got relationships with tour companies and with food tours and walking tours, um, and you know they're they're things that I've vetted and I know that my guests are going to ha- be happy with, and I can bump I can bump my ROI up by you know you know, bump my monthly fees up by about twenty percent with affiliate relationships. Um, so you know I offer things like. Uh, um, land transport from from airports uh especially now with covid as well people aren't allowed to take public transport so i can tie up with a a transport company and get people in from the airports i can um uh, have tours and um you know really enhance the experience of the guests while they're here so that's that's what really lights me up is knowing that 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 uh, i've been able to help create a lot of memories for people that have um that have traveled here yeah, I was just going to touch base on that. You know, you mentioned earlier about the experience. So, you know, is there additional stuff that you do to the host and side of things rather than just there's a property to get your head down each night and, you know, and then just leave the keys once you're gone? Um, obviously, the, the name of your company kind of suggests there's more to just the host side of it. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, whenever, you know, uh, whenever I look at a property and also when I work with clients is, you know, I, I say that I'm not selling cheap accommodation that's not my product i'm selling experience and i'm selling a local experience so if um if you're you know looking for um to experience what it's like to live like a local in tokyo i'm your girl i'll take care of you if you're looking for a cheap accommodation if you're looking just if you're just looking for a bed you're probably not going to be happy with um with staying with me um because when you stay in the suburbs of Tokyo, there's a certain amount of community responsibility that comes along with, with staying in Tokyo. So you, you know, it's a everyone lives very close. It's very high density living, and so that you are very closely connected with your neighbourhood. Um, and so things like you've got to take out your trash really well, and and uh, just be mindful of a lot of the the unwritten rules of living in Japan. But there's a lot of people out there who want that. They want to know what it feels like to live in another country as a um, and especially people with families, you know, they want to show their kids what life is like for somebody else in a different world. I mean, that's just adding to, you know, adding to the kids' education and and um and will give them so much more benefit when, you know, when they get older because they will understand how life is so different in different countries and be able to bring that into their own um into their own life experiences yeah 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 no it sounds um at, at times it is 
you know, we've we've got to do it as well. You've got to say no to guests at time because A, it doesn't suit you as a business and B, it won't suit them. So you'll end up with just bad reviews and, and, sure. and obviously, you know, that that's that's how we are kind of led at times. So so what does the um how does your business set up look what's the day-to-day how much do you get involved and uh, you know how, how does tr- that kind of run uh, for you i've tried to automate a lot so um you know with my communication i've got a lot of automation set up so you know there's a standard you know when you've been doing this business for a while you realize that there's almost like a standard arc of workflow so from um you know from the first initial contact through through the booking process through the check-in checking up on people and then check out, that's a pretty standard arc workflow. Um, And I've automated all of that, which then frees up my time to do what I really love doing, and that's taking care of people uh, and giving them additional additional services or, uh, you know, additional information. Um, You find that people, when they're coming to Japan, um, obviously language language is an issue. So they've got a lot of questions. There's a lot of curiosity there. uh, And because people are really excited about, you know, living like a local, I want to share that, you know, I want to share that local information with people because that's what they're wanting as a part of their experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's what it's, it looks like on a day-to-day. So I bought it, sorry, sorry, to answer your question, I just sort of went off on a tangent there. I got all excited, <laughs> get all excited about my guest experience. But um, um, so, yeah, day-to-day, um, I automate a lot of that. Um, I have a team, an amazing team who, um, who you know, take care of, like we meet every, someone from our team meets every single guest that comes in and we show them how to use everything, how to, you know, how to use the, the washing machine, how to use the air conditioner and so that they don't press buttons and set off alarms because there's everything that opens and shuts and the toilet will talk to you and the air conditioner will talk to you and it sort of freaks people out a bit. So, and also, if you do press too many buttons, you break things. So <laughs> it's um, it's a little bit of an investment for us in terms of time, but it just saves so much hassle. And also, it does give you that personal contact with the guest, and they can ask questions right then, and you can solve problems right then. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that's what our day to day looks like. Um, someone will go and meet the guest. Someone, you know, obviously we've got a cleaning team that come in, come in afterwards, um, but. Yeah, I, I get up in the morning and I just check how many people are booked and before I go to bed, I check how many people are checking out and then I'm just sort of on maintenance mode then. Cool. And as family business, I take it, partner involved? and Husband, yeah. Husband was um, – uh, so when I started this, I, I started it on my own and uh, my husband was working in a restaurant and um, hospitality hours are horrendous. Um, and the pay for working in restaurants here is horrendous as well. And, you know, we had a small child and I have no family around, so um, it was really hard. So it was like, well, you know, if I do have a couple more of these houses, dude, you can, you can, give, up, you can give up this restaurant work and you can come work for me. So <laughs> I retired. He, you know, he now works for me <laughs> um, and I'm the CEO and I get him to be the C- COO, I guess, um, and he looks after – um he looks after scheduling he makes sure that the the cleaner's schedule is understood and he does you know looks after sort of any maintenance and and you know any contractors that need to come in and do do repairs um and schedules out who goes to meet people and um and we here in japan as well we're under regulations so we have to collect a lot of data from our guest so we need to know their their passport numbers, their flight numbers, and so we, he collates all of that 
um, it goes into a it goes into our database and it goes into our mailing list, um, and then I look after the marketing after that. So I do a lot of after they've come and stayed with us one time, they're on our mailing list, and then I'll send out regular regular communications by email. So awesome, sounds good. Always a good or like. The best time to start a mailing list is 10 years ago. The next best time oh. is today. So get all of those customers that, because that's they're your customers then. Own those customers and you can really look after them and, uh, you know, maximize that relationship. Yeah, yeah, super. So for anyone that's listening who is looking to get started with Airbnb, what would be your top tips? Um, know your guest. Know who you're serving. What sort of host do you want to be? Um, and what are your business goals? So doing a bit of mindset work and due diligence before you start. So um, it's not, I mean, people say, oh, it's passive income. It kind of is, but it kind of isn't. You know, it's, it's um, uh, you know, it's still a people business. You have to like people um, and you've got to really decide what type of people you want to look after and how you want to look after them. And, and then you can create a business there. I mean, there is a, key for every lock then there's there's the market is so mature and there's so many different people traveling um or business people there there is a niche for everybody so really think about your niche and really do your targeted marketing to that niche um and you're just going to have a much better you know a much better business and not just you know you're not accepting just anybody with a credit card you're really accepting your ideal guest and uh, uh and that's where you get that's where you get the maximum that's where you get the maximum ROI and also the best business for yourself yeah yeah I think one thing that really hit home for me when we did that 24-hour marathon was um how many people are a really successful in the Airbnb game but also how everyone spins it in a totally different way and there's like I don't think any of us there there wasn't two businesses that you thought okay they're running it exactly the same they're managing guests exactly the same their guest avatars exactly the same you know it was like the the whole thing was in you know just incredible to hear how so many different people are spinning it in so many different ways but yet the end result is still the same which is you know time freedom financial freedom you know mm-hmm. and um and probably everything that a lot of people would would work hard to to achieve at some point in their life um but also again what also hit hit home was how quickly people got to that sort of you know most of most of the people in there are only within probably the last five years they've mm-hmm. started and built these seven figure businesses some eight mm-hmm. figure businesses you know and um and then we had we had Bill, you know, who uh, has did he have eight units, but was making half a million dollars a year, something, something yeah, like he's, that. Yeah, he's like he he is just an absolute, you know, a god. Um, he's all about the numbers, but he's also he's also really careful about making sure that his asset is also growing in the background. There's so there's a lot of there's a lot of people who just go on a like getting the cash flow, getting the cash flow, like using that cash flow, reinvesting that, reinvesting that, reinvesting it. Whereas, and that's, and then they're taking their cash and investing elsewhere. Whereas Bill is, is, um, he's buying property very cleverly. So he's getting the benefits of like a, like a real estate portfolio with a capital gain as well as, uh, um, as well as the, the monthly um, cash flow, which is, reason people get into this is that they they can see the instant cash they can Mm. see the instant you know the instant reward for effort 
um, is just so quick and that's what gets what gets people in. Um, and then you figure out that it is real work and then you figure out what you have to do to make it work for you. Um, but, yeah, my, my top tip is is just to, do, like, listen to podcasts, do get your education and, and find, you know, find a, a business model that resonates with, you know, with you and your values. That's that's my advice to anyone looking to start out because there's, there's so many ways to run a business, so many ways to live a life, um, and there's no right or wrong way. Um, just, you know, I guess there's a, there is the wrong way, you know, like doing things without, you know, like stealing and cheating and doing all those sort of things. That's the wrong way. But there's plenty of ways to do it right. Um, there is yeah. no one, one way to do it right. So. I think probably what you're trying to say is it's not as complicated as most people probably think in their heads to get started and run an Airbnb business. You know, <laughs> I know when I speak to people, they're like, oh, but how am I going to manage the cleaners? And what happens if the maintenance happens? And what happens if this and this and this? And it's like, honestly, those issues are so simple and it can all be systemized. You know, as you say, like, I'm the same. I've purposely built my business so I can run it on my mobile from anywhere in the world. So you can be anywhere and you can run the business. And I think, again, you know, come back to to all the hosts that we, we kind of gathered together, everyone was the same. You know, they're all remote. They're all doing things from sunbeds swimming pools wherever they are in the world you know and um and it, it is just an incredible industry and i think that's why everyone of us are quite passionate about sharing the knowledge getting other people into the industry because you know what they don't know they don't know but when they do know like we found out it's incredible and then you want to just really kick it on and it can open so many doors for you you know it's um you know the cash flow that i've generated from my airbnb gig is I'm about, well, I'm in the process now of developing 26 units across three buildings, you know, which should cash flow north of a quarter million quid a year, mm-hmm. you know, which I would never have dreamed of three three years ago, you know, just never have dreamed of. But, you know, the thing scales quickly. And if you really get it right, systemize it, get the help that you need and just keep pushing, then, mm-hmm. you know, you, you just you just never know where you're going to be. But I've actually got Bill on the podcast Um uh, in a couple of days time which will probably air a couple of weeks if you're listening to this on the podcast so uh, we can pick his brains a bit more about his unique strategy um but, but the um, good thing about bill as well is he's so uh you know articulate and um you know so clear i mean i i waffle a little bit so but he is so clear about um about his goals and his vision and 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 the numbers and he's like nailed it all um and he's some he's someone that i've learned from and i've learned a ton from from everyone else as well mm. so it's just been really good in that respect um because you're always learning you're always growing and um it's i never, think the game's always changing time. isn't it the game's yeah. always changing like it's if you started this 10 years ago it's going to be different now to what it was 10 years ago. even the platform itself airbnb will is a total different platform mm-hmm. now um so many people, everything's changing so many more people using it and we and because i'm in a, in a place where i get a lot of inbound so i really look after lots of different types of uh, people from all different countries i still find that their core um you know, their core values are still, you know, family, family travelers. So that's who my core, but, but it's really opened my eyes that that sort of value, those values are across genders and across, uh, you know, uh, across countries. And it's not, it's not a, it's not a country based or a, or a race based, like that the values of people that I look after is really, is, is a global thing. And I think that's just really opened my eyes and it's been a lot of fun. But the other thing is I've just had so much fun building houses, like not building, like 
you know, decorating houses. I really get a kick of like going into a new unit, looking at it, looking at the potential and, and imagining how I can just make it really fit to, to my ideal guest. And I just, I just get so excited doing that. So that's, that's fun for me. So it's a lifestyle choice. I'm doing something that I really enjoy doing and I'm getting paid for it. And I've created a home for my family. Um, and I'm giving my son the, the gift of seeing that you can build a business and look after your business yourself. You don't have to work for somebody else. So hmm. there's a whole bunch of reasons that I'm doing it, which are different from everyone else's, but yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Oops. Oh, my phone. So, um, my iPad just fell over. <laughs> <laughs> so as we wrap up here, um, you are about to venture into a few. Um, we were talking off air about um, some potential coaching that you're doing or, or a masterclass type thing, if you want to tell everyone about that. Shameless plug, I guess. Um, so, um, I, I've you know I've done quite well out of this Airbnb lark. So I've decided that um, it's time for me to sort of share what I know and and um, you know I have a consulting and a coaching business. So for people who want to build a, like a um, a hospitality based business, and um, so you know I look after people who want to build a, a portfolio of three, five, ten units, and but really really look at um, a portfolio of, of, a, of a brand of a unique of a new, unique style and and uh, to build a business that they're proud of um, and uh, gives them financial freedom but also you know gives them an identity so and looking after guests that really appreciate who they are so that's who that's who uh, I serve so I'm I'm doing a branding masterclass i'm doing a branding webinar next week um and uh, just to give an introduction to it and then i've got a larger course that's coming out that will really help you dig into your vision who you're serving uh who um who you are as a host and then how to market that and how to maximize your roi by by really working in your local community and and um and working and making unique partnerships and and just you know just building a building a community that's that's i guess what what i'm all about as well awesome and if anyone wants to get involved in that how do they get involved you can look for the wholehearted host wholehearted host um or uh tracy northcott consulting um and if you're coming to tokyo it's uh, my my uh, my site's tra- uh, tokyo family stays so that's i'm not a woman of mystery i'm really not hard to find <laughs> <laughs> awesome well um i've been reading the comments here that we've had and uh, everyone has been um you know awesome and thanks for the oh, tips yeah. and, and everything like that so um i'm not sure i'm not sure if you can see them on your end but anyway there's been some great feedback so um thank you very much and i'm sure all the podcast listeners will be giving uh, you a thumbs up and a five-star review as well so um appreciate that and i will see you later on or i will hear you later on as we join clubhouse for we'll our be, marathon we'll be on clubhouse tomorrow, so, yeah. <laughs> and uh and uh, i'll see you then but thank you very much for your time today and um i wish you all the best thanks for having me on ryan take care no problem 